Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Tampa Bay Buccaneers from the 48-yard line. Second down, 13. Brady lobs one downfield. Caught ball by Gronkowski. Inside the 20 to the 15-10. Gronkowski to the 5 to the 4-yard line. Holy Gronkamole. <laughs> Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Those up the middle. It's intercepted at the Derek 30. Brooks. Derek Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 25, 20. Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. Yeah. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, baby. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Back at you today for episode 152. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew, joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish, and a very special guest jumping on today, our good friend over from Bucks Nation, Jason Curtis at JC Bucks Nation joins the show. We're going to be previewing the Vikings game this Sunday. The Buccaneers will host Minnesota 1 p.m. in Raymond James Stadium. They'll wrap up a three-game homestand this week week and both of these teams as they come into this game making a late season push towards a favorable playoff seeding I think the battle for the sixth seed currently if I remember correctly the Buccaneers of course it's seven and five and Minnesota six and six but welcome back to the show Evan how are you doing today my friend doing pretty good how are you I'm doing good Jason pleasure to have you jump on here with us how are you doing yeah, I'm doing great, man. Really appreciate you guys having me on. Excited to be talking some football, especially coming off the bye week and heading into some critical games heading down the stretch here. Absolutely. And you look at the four games the Buccaneers have less. This game, you know, back at the beginning of the season, didn't think very much of it. I mean, hell, halfway through the season when the Vikings started one in five, you didn't think very much of it. But the Vikings have done a really good job of turning things around. Winners of their last five out of six I believe um so they're making a name for themselves when it comes to that NFC playoff picture so both teams kind of looking to play upset this Sunday so we'll preview that in just a little bit but before we go any further I want to remind everybody that this podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at betonline.ag believe it or not final quarter of the regular season is here but you've still got more than enough time to get in on the action from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props Bet online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And of course, they've always got the online casino, which never closes on you. So head over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Once again, Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. So we're going to go over the injury report. We're going to preview this Sunday's matchup against the Purple People Eaters. But before we do that, we do have some pretty big news Coming out of the Buccaneer franchise this week, big number 13 was honored, and he has been chosen as the 2020 Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So everybody knows about this award, but every single team picks a representative to be their nominee of who they think should get the award that year. And this isn't just your run-of-the-mill performance award. It really symbolizes the guy on the team who goes 
above and beyond in all aspects of not just being a great football player, but being a great guy off of the field. And we know that Mike Evans does a lot with his charities. He is absolutely, I think, the definition of a selfless guy when it comes to the time he puts in with his fans and supporters. But really good news for Big Mike. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's an award that you you would like to win. I mean, it's it's the award that just, you know, what kind of person you are. And uh, I know that Vincent Jackson was the guy that was, like, nominated a lot. You know, when when his time in Tampa, he was that guy. And now it's turned to Mike Evans. So uh, hopefully this year, Mike Evans is, is able to take it. Obviously, it's it's not an award about anything football related. It's it's, you know, a lot of people may think it's the most important award that, that you can win. It's the, it's the best award you can win. So uh, it'd be pretty cool if, if you could win it. I, I always thought it was pretty cool just because nowadays when you win it, they give you like a permanent badge on your jersey. So I remember when Peyton had won it, you saw him walking around with it. I think J.J. Watt got it, so he's got it on his jersey. So it kind of puts you in a selective group of just great people, I guess is the way to define it. But definitely going to be rooting for Mike, and congrats on being named the nominee this year for Tampa Bay. So let's get into this injury report. Now, the injury report for Thursday has not uh, has not come out yet, so we're going to be breaking down Wednesdays. There's some interesting developments there. We'll probably get some more answers once Thursday's drop, but let's go ahead and get into it. Some big names. Chris Godwin missed practice. Mike Evans was limited. And Jamel Dean, I wanted to talk about first. A guy who just cleared concussion protocol is now dealing with a groin injury. He did not practice on Wednesday. Evan, do you think Jamel Dean suits up by Sunday? His status kind of up in the air right now. Yeah, so he obviously just got out of concussion protocol and now is dealing with this. So... Uh, you know, groin injuries, hamstring injuries, those, those are tricky. Uh, I think it's going to be determined whether or not, you know, if he plays, I think it's going to impact a lot on the game. Um, we'll see if he practices this week. If he doesn't practice at all, um, I'm not sure. He's obviously the injury report's not out yet for today, so we don't know if he practiced today, but the media didn't see him in their portion today. Uh, or, you know, tomorrow, for which is Friday, if he doesn't practice at all, I, I don't know if his chances are great to, to play on Sunday. But um, I, it's something that they'll need. I mean, they'll need a guy like him. He, he's been through a, a little bit of a slump recently, but I still think he's he's a talented corner. They're going to need him down this stretch. So, um, I'm, I'm not sure if, but if he doesn't practice, I would say if he doesn't practice on Thursday, I'm not sure that's a great sign for his availability, uh, for Sunday, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. And we know Jamel, you know, he is that outside corner that the Buccaneers have. I mean, he's, you know, I think you're one of your better options when you go out there, you got Carlton Davis. We've seen him get torched before. Granted, he's a great corner. It's just play him outside. He's not going to have the speed to match up. And then you look at Minnesota, their wide receiver trio coming in. You got Adam Thielen in the mix. You got rookie wide receiver Justin Jefferson. Looks like he's going to be breaking records left and right. So without Jamel Dean out there, it could be another rough afternoon for this secondary. But we'll see what happens. And of course, we'll keep you guys updated. A couple of other names on the injury report I wanted to gloss over really quickly. Mike Evans was limited on Wednesday. I have no doubts that 13 is going to be suiting up, but he's got that lingering hamstring injury, so we'll see how he manages that, but I think he should be playing. Chris Godwin, number 14, as I mentioned before, with that finger did not participate, but he's a day removed from a procedure to get the pins out of his finger. So when you talk about the definition of tough, there, there really isn't a better example on this team than number 14. So I think he'll give it a go. I think number 13 and 14 should be good to go. 
Steve McClendon, big nose tackle, did not participate in practice on Wednesday with an elbow injury. He's kind of up in the air, but I really think he'll give it a go. Uh, he was uh, he was back out there today. Um, okay. There was there was video of him back practicing today. So definitely good to hear. Jason Pierre Paul, number ninety outside linebacker with that knee injury. He was limited uh, on Wednesday. He'll be fine. He's on the injury report every single week. That's just JPP and how he rolls. Number seventy six Donovan Smith with that ankle injury. He was limited. I have no doubts he should be good to go. And then the last guy on this list is a guy you don't see on the report very often. Levante David, non-injury related on Wednesday, did not participate. With that being said, he should be fine. Let's gloss over the Vikings really quick, and then we'll get into this game preview, because that's what we're all here for. Garrett Bradbury, number 56, their center. He was limited on Wednesday. Ezra Cleveland, 72, their guard was limited on Wednesday. Jeff Gladney, a corner with a calf injury, was limited um, Brett Jones, their center, was full participation off of a neck injury, so he'll be good to go. And then here are the guys who did not practice. Alexander Madison, running back number 25, didn't practice due to illness. You got Eric Kendricks, number 54, linebacker, calf injury, did not participate. That's a big loss for him or for them potentially. Number 82, Kyle Rudolph with a foot injury, did not practice. And then number 84, another tight end, Irv Smith Jr. with a back injury, did not practice everybody else i believe was limited and should be good to go so let's get into this game preview we haven't heard from jason a lot i apologize we just wanted to kind of rush through the injury report because for both teams you know everybody's concerned about the bucks vikings should be okay they do have some key injuries that we'll talk about here shortly but let's just look at what these teams bring to the table as i stated at the top of the show the vikings have five wins in six weeks they won last Sunday's game. It was a nail-biter in overtime against Jacksonville. They started 1-5, put together a good streak of games, and now they are officially in that NFC playoff picture, knocking on the door at the seventh seed. Their offense is what I'm really going to be looking at first. I think their offense is their best asset right now. In years past, we've talked about the defense, and um, the defense of Minnesota definitely took some hits this past offseason, so we'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. But their offense, man. They're top five ranked in the league, I believe fourth. Uh, 390 yards per game is about what they're averaging. You look at Dalvin Cook playing like one of the best running backs in the NFL right now. Justin Jefferson, as I had mentioned, Adam Thielen, and then Kirk Cousins having quietly a great season. Jason, I wanted to get your take on this first, but what do you think is the strongest aspect or maybe a matchup you're looking at when it comes to that Vikings offense? Yeah, I think you just said it. Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. I mean, those two. And then you cannot discredit uh, how well Kirk Cousins is flinging the rock down the field. I mean, he's he's doing really well. He's thrown three touchdowns in the past three games uh, for each game. And it, he's just he's found a way to put it all together finally. And, and you mentioned earlier, you mentioned it earlier, whereas the beginning of the season, they weren't all put together. Mike Zimmer was really upset. Obviously the defense, you know, the COVID summer as uh, Corey Curtis has said on my show before where it, the COVID summer, unfortunately did not allow him to get that good look into his defense uh, to, to allow them to start off the way that they wanted to. So absolutely the defense over there at, at uh, you know, at Minnesota is not doing so well. Offense, they're the stars. They're the ones that are actually flinging it down. You got Dalvin Cook, and you got Justin Jefferson, arguably one of the best rookie wide receiver years that we are seeing hands down. And Jefferson is absolutely one of those top contributors there. 
Yeah, Jefferson, actually, right now, he's got a little streak going on. He's he scored at least two touchdowns. Uh, well, I mean, uh, scored a touchdown in three straight games. And two weeks ago, he scored two touchdowns against the Panthers. So, uh, yeah, he's – I agree with with what you said when you said uh, – in recent memory, at least, it might be one of the best rookie seasons that we've seen uh, from a wide receiver. He's really put it together. Uh, that Vikings defense is young. Uh, you know that that's that's a big reason I think why they've struggled this year. They have a lot of talented players, but at the same time, they are young. Uh, they lost to Neil Hunter to injury. Uh, you know, obviously, yeah, Yagn and Gakwe. They uh, traded mid-season when yeah, I mean, they really just didn't, didn't work think out. the playoffs <laughs> were going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, it just, it, they they tried to get him from Jacksonville. It just didn't work out. They got rid of him. So it's it been a lot of uh, a lot of moving pieces there uh, in Minnesota, but they're starting to play good. And like you said, the the offense is really really starting to anchor them. Yeah, you know the one thing that is you you, you don't have to worry about Dalvin Cook. Dalvin yeah. Cook will get his touches. He will be a rock star. It's going to come down to how effective the wide receivers are. Uh, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and how well is Kirk Cousins throwing it down? Because what is what is our weak spot? What are the Bucks' weak spot? It's in the secondary, mm-hmm. right? So for them, that's definitely going to be a key for them to be looking in uh, in that second level. Yeah, and the product uh, productivity of this offense for Minnesota, the Bucks are no stranger to high-powered offenses coming to town. I mean, the Rams are ranked pretty high, and they were definitely able to put some yards up against Tampa Bay. And then you've got the best offense in the league in Kansas City playing right after them, and the Buccaneers only held them to 27 points. So with that being said, you know, you had mentioned Dalvin Cook. I- I'm pretty confident in this run defense and how they can handle Dalvin Cook. It'll be an entertaining matchup because he is, without a doubt, you know, one of the best running backs in the NFL, which we keep saying. It's like a broken record at this point. But, you know, anytime you see the Buccaneers play a quality running back, you're bound to have some fireworks. So I think they will do a really good job of shutting him down. But that deep attack, which minnesota likes you know that's kind of what their offense is is like that yeah they've got a strong ground game but they like their big plays they don't shy away from it and the way that Kirk cousins has been playing um you know it's it's really not like he hasn't managed that offense well um adam thielen's got 12 touchdowns in 12 games you got justin jefferson as we have talked about endlessly uh with just a record amount of yards so they're making it happen uh, will the Bucks have to, you know, outscore them till the end? Absolutely. But, you know, I think about this game a little bit differently than I thought about Kansas City, just because I really thought Kansas City would be higher scoring. So I guess that's a testament to the defense in itself. But what I'm saying mm-hmm. is the Buccaneers are no stranger to high powered offenses. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've never been a Kirk Cousins fan before. I'm still kind of not, but he's definitely proven me wrong this year. He's he's one of the more. Uh polarizing figures in, in the in the <laughs> NFL uh, just because I mean you know if you were looking at midseason a lot of people were talking about maybe the Vikings are a spot for a quarterback uh, you know sitting in that top 10 maybe they're a spot where a quarterback could go and now they're nowhere near the top 10 and you're talking about Kirk Cousins just playing some of the best football of his career right now over the past uh, five or six games uh, so I mean it, it is it is interesting to see just how how you know quick things can turn uh, in, in the NFL, and you know when the Bucks were seven and three, everybody was talking about Super Bowl, and now nobody's really talking about that anymore. Even though the Bucks lost to two two of the better teams in the NFL, and the Vikings have really beaten up on some some lesser teams, but uh, I, I think that's that's a key as well. Yeah, 
I wanted to flip the script here and talk a little bit more about Minnesota's defense, and then we'll talk about what Tampa Bay can bring to this matchup. But, you know, on defense, the Vikings are usually an above-average group, but, I mean, they lost a lot of guys. Uh, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, Alexander McKenzie, Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph. So I look at the, uh, I you know, I look at the phase that this defense is in, and I hate to say that they're rebuilding, but they're just not as high powered as they once were. And um, yeah, you know, it definitely shows this year because I believe that they have been outscored by like ten or twenty points. Like I, I think they've scored close to three hundred and twenty, and they've given up close to three hundred and thirty. Don't quote me on that. I'm kind of ballparking it, but I think that's what I had read somewhere. So with that being said, they're giving up a lot of points, and if there is any game for this Tampa Bay offense to really just take the reins and get their rhythm back after readjusting from the bye week. I definitely think it's going to be this week. There's a lot of mismatches. You can, uh, you can get together with that offense. We know the bucks have the weapons. Um, it's just going to be about execution and, and hopefully this quote unquote tension between Brady and the play callers who, whether it be Arians or left, which, um, I think it'll be a thing of the past, but we're just going to have to see how they start because if you come out flat with three straight three and outs, well, the Vikings are a team where their offense is good enough. You could be behind 21 to zero before you know it. So I'm, I'm interested to see how this offense responds against a weak defense. Evan, what do you think of Minnesota's unit on uh, the defensive side? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like I said, it's incredibly young. Uh, I mean, they have Jeff Gladney, who they drafted in the first round, or I believe it was either the first or second round. I forget which one it was, but um, the corner. So, I mean, they have they have him. Uh, they still have Harrison Smith, who is one of the better safeties in the NFL, I think. He's been there for a long time. And they have Eric Kendricks, who um, didn't play last week, on I believe. the injury report. He missed last yeah. week's game. Yeah, yeah, he did not play, so that's a key. That's something that you're going to have to look out for. I think they're a different defense uh, with with Kendricks on the field. I think they've still struggled, but they're a bit of a better unit with with Eric Kendricks out there. So it'll be interesting to see. And just like you said, you know, this Bucks offense has the talent. They can put up. They can put up, I think, points against almost any defense. But when you're looking at this particular defense, this is a much better matchup for them than even like Kansas City, I think, uh, because I think the Vikings secondary has really struggled. And obviously, like you said, we know the Bucks had all the receivers and, and the tight ends that that they that they need, really. You know, I really like the uh, it's kind of we on the Bucks Nation uh, podcast, you know, we we do. I don't give a buck segment. So I kind of say I don't give a buck about how young that Vikings defense is <laughs> because I'm, I'm grateful for it this year. I mean, we'll have to see how well they, they actually produce next year. But you know what? 271 passing yards allowed, 121 rushing yards allowed. Mm-hmm. One of the things and one of the keys to the game that I'll, I'll probably get into a little bit more in just a little bit is we have to get the Bucks have to get the running game Uh back in the play, game plan. Yeah. They've mm-hmm. got to make sure that it's highly effective. And for the Vikings to allow 121 yards uh, on the ground, that is a plus sign for us. Rojo needs to tote that rock and get it down the field. Uh, we're only allowing 74 yards. So back to the uh, the allowance for, for Dalvin Cook, you, you know, hopefully we stop him on that front. I uh, Just to echo your sentiments earlier, uh, Rhett, the, we're allowing 276 yards in the secondary. And as we've seen, our secondary get torched over the past couple of weeks against the Rams and the chiefs. We're almost neck to neck, neck and neck there. So maybe we can game plan a little bit better here and, and we can definitely um, take advantage of that young Vikings defense. 
Yeah, um, I, I think I think the the team that runs the ball better in this game is the team that's going to win. I, I think it, when when you look back at the final score and you'll look back at the rushing yards, the the team rushing yards, whoever has the more rush yards, I think is going to be the team that wins. Just because as an offense, you're you're less one dimensional and and you you can you can make things much diff, more more difficult on two you know secondaries that right now are struggling. So yeah, the Bucks. You know, if you're looking at it, the Bucks should. You know, I've I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say, "Oh, well, the Bucks have an easy game this week because their run defense is good, and that's all the Vikings do." Well, the Vikings have two stud wide receivers, <laughs> and that's just that's not the case. Yeah, don't forget about don't discredit Kyle Rudolph, right? I yeah. mean, he has not yeah. been that effective this year, but he is still uh, a Pro Bowl talent, uh, tight end. Now, tight ends, you know, we talk about it on our uh, on our. Um, fantasy football show that tight ends are just absolute crap this year. Uh, so you can't really count on other than about three tight ends out of the entire league. <laughs> if you're, if you're streaming those tight ends, but honestly, um, don't discredit Rudolph. I mean, he is still a very good tight end, uh, still definitely a weapon, especially in the red zone situation. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're right. If we figure out a way to shut down Jefferson and Thielen, got a damn good chance because the only threat we have is Dalvin cook. So, mm-hmm. you know, if we, if we maintain that pressure up on the front and, and we definitely cover on the secondary, we lock those two down, but you know what? I said that last time about the Rams and I said, all you need to do is shut down cup and, <laughs> and shut down woods. That's all you need to do guys. And what do they yeah. do? We got absolutely shredded and torn apart in that secondary, especially right behind the linebackers in between the safeties. A lot's going to be riding on Winfield and Whitehead uh, in that second level. Yeah, so I just want to turn it back to the offense real quick. You mentioned linebackers. I mean, if Eric Kendricks can't go for the Vikings, you know, you got Rob Gronkowski matching up against some of the Vikings linebackers slash safeties. Um, that could be some favorable matchups, I think. It, it could be a, a pretty good Gronkowski day. And um, I, I just think that, you're going to see, I, I mean, Vikings fans aren't used to this, right? The, Mike Zimmer has coached their team uh, since, I believe, 2012 or 2013. And this is probably the worst defense they've had since he's been there. They they are not used to, to this. So the Bucks definitely have the, the opportunity to take advantage of it. Yeah, and you, you brought up the linebacker position for Minnesota. Another point I wanted to make as we kind of wrap up their defense. But, you know, they are plagued with some injuries on that side of the ball. They got big edge, uh, big edge, ru- edge rusher, excuse me. <laughs> Big edge rusher. Say that five times fast. Danielle Hunter hasn't played all season. He is on IR with a neck injury. Uh, Anthony Barr is on IR. And then as you had also brought up, Aaron Kendrick's kind of up in the air when it comes to this game. So the mismatches along that side of the ball, when you look at how these guys can be put together, there are some pretty favorable matchups out so, there. But a so here we, Vikings defense. I just, yeah, I received a, t- a tweet from Courtney Cronin, who is a Vikings reporter for ESPN, said uh, Irv Smith Jr. is their tight end, uh, was back uh, limited in practice. Um, and then Kyle Rudolph and Eric Kendricks did not practice, and both their statuses are in jeopardy for Sunday. So, mm, man, definitely a lot of question marks from Minnesota coming into this one. One more point I wanted to make, and then we can kind of look at the Buccaneers' offense as a whole. I think it's a good way to tie it all together. But Minnesota, I really think their pass rush struggles. They've only got 21 sacks on the year, and then as we had mentioned before, you know, missing a lot of your guys and Goku being traded away. Um, I think their pass rush struggles, and I think the Buccaneer offensive line has a really good day. No sacks for Brady, and that's all you need. You give him time in the pocket, he's going to make things happen, whether they're long developing or not. Now, is he always going to hit that 50-yard bomb on 
third and one. I don't know. Hopefully they don't roll out that same game plan. <laughs> yeah, I was about game. to say, hopefully hopefully they don't call that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, you give Brady time to throw. This pass rush has trouble, and I think it could be a really good day for this Buccaneers offense. Like I said, coming off of the bye week, it's always important to really get your rhythm back. But for a team on offense who was still – finding their rhythm, as we put it, headed into the bye week. I'm curious to see the adjustments that were made and what that means for the offense. But hopefully it means a hell of a lot more of Ronald Jones like we had uh, briefly brought up earlier. I think at this point, that's got to be priority number one on the offense, at least for me. I need to see Rojo get the ball in his hands this Sunday because the way that this Vikings run defense looks, it could be another 100-yard game for a guy who is still top five for rushing in the NFL. Yeah, and it's it's an important key. It, it really is. Like I said, I think the team that runs the ball better is going to be able to win this football game. They're going to have more success. If you look at Tom Brady, if you, if you look at his his stats when when the Bucks rush for over a hundred yards, they're pretty good. And w- when they don't, they're they're not very good. Uh, so I felt like they abandoned it. A little. I understand that they were down seventeen nothing. Well, they blinked their eyes and they're down seventeen nothing to Kansas City. But I feel like Kansas City's run defense was was bad enough to where just stick with it you know and and they they broke off some runs even in i believe early in the third quarter they broke off some runs and then they didn't do it again so um i think it's important that no matter what the score of the game is in in this one um uh, i i think it's important to to stick with that run game because it's not something the vikings do well and it's something that i think the bucks need to do well in order to keep this offense on track Ronald Jones ran for 7.3 yards per carry in week 12 versus Kansas City. Leonard Fournette ran for 3.2. It's not, I don't know what the Bucks' fascination is with Leonard Fournette, but they keep mixing him in. James Erico has said it. Corey Curtis has said it. What is the fascination with Leonard Fournette? Keep Rojo running the rock, toting the rock down the, down the field. He's highly effective. I mean, he's averaging over five yards per carry on the season. Uh, he's caught his first touchdown. He hasn't been very good with his his, his hands, right? But he did catch. Mm-hmm. He did manage to catch his first touchdown grab uh, for that thirty-seven yarder in Week Twelve, which was pretty phenomenal. That gave me hope, right? He's got eight hundred and twenty yards on the season. He could definitely be over a thousand yards if they kept using him the way that they should have been using him. Now, again, I'm not in the front office. I'm not the one making the calls, and neither are you guys. But we see it. Uh, you know, I see it. You see it. Everyone else sees it. It's it's really is uh, echoing uh, the sentiments uh, f- from uh, folks that I've had on my show. Is is you know why don't the folks in the ivory tower of Ray J or One Buck Place see that this is the situation? You got to get Rojo toting the rock. You know, I, I, I love the way he looks when he, when he is. I mean, he can definitely he's a downhill runner. I love it when he's effective and we have a much bigger chance of winning the game. Yeah, I think it goes back to the philosophy that's been set for what feels like two seasons now with that rotational backfield. But riding the hot hand, you know, I don't mind Leonard Fournette coming in in the fourth quarter. If Ronald Jones has had a pretty good game, he's tired and the Bucks are in the league. Leonard Fournette could come in and close things out. I don't mind it. That's it- exactly what Red. That's exactly what Bruce Arian said he would use Leonard Fournette as. He yeah. would be their closer, yeah. fourth yeah. quarter closer. And they've gotten away from that because the introduction yep. of Leonard Fournette, when we see him, uh, has effectively shut down Ronald Jones these past couple of weeks. And you know, it's all about just sticking to that philosophy, sticking with it. 
and they haven't done that with Ronald Jones. But I, I wanted to ask you this, and Evan, I wanted to get your response first. Evan, multiple times this season, you've almost gotten frustrated, I think, but you have said this is a pass-first offense, and it is always a pass-first offense. Do you still agree with that statement? Because from what I've seen so far this year, when the Buccaneers establish the run early and they run first to just set up better yardage, you know, third and short, second and short, which is stuff that we don't see very often. But when they do that, it's when this offense plays their best football. So do you still agree that it's a pass first offense or have we gotten to the point where Ronald Jones has proven he can make this a run first team? Well, I think Ronald Jones has proved that maybe not a run first team, but I think he's proved that they can make it a little bit less of a, a pass first. I still believe there's a pass first offense. That's that any Bruce Arians offense. I I, I will never believe is going to be a run first offense. Um, this is not going to be the te- the Tennessee Titans or the Minnesota Vikings for that matter on the other side here. Um, it, it's two very different philosophies, and Bruce Arians is going to want the you know the the bomb over the you know ten play drive with seven of them being runs and it takes up six minutes o'clock uh you know that that's not the philosophy there and um you know i, I think uh, just that the way they're built even is, is pass first uh they're they're really built like the run scheme is sometimes just not good at all i mean you, you see on tape sometimes you're like look like there's nowhere for jones or fournette to go here like there's no holes and that's a lot of that is run scheming and stuff and that's like i i don't believe they're they're close to that i do think that jones has proven enough to where they should implement it more uh they, they should definitely you know run it more than maybe bruce Arians would like but i i still believe that at the end of the day their preference is going to be to pass the ball they're they're not gonna uh on a third and one when they really need it i'm not confident that they're going to give the ball to Ronald Jones. I think they're going to be they're going to be passing the, the football on, on a down where they need it. I think they're going to go back to what they believe is their bread and butter. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, there's nothing that I could dispute with what you said there, Evan. I mean, it's uh, it's risk it, no risk it, no biscuit. Uh, yeah. You know, the mentality of <laughs> VA it, yeah. and but you've got two problems. You're not effectively running. And Tom Brady is not a deep ball passer. He's not a deep ball passer. I mean, he had a couple of times where he had Randy Moss and he had the one, you know, a couple of times he was playing with Antonio Brown a couple of years ago. But the, but the fact of the matter is, how many times have we seen Mike Evans catch a two yard end zone grab like Mike Evans? Really? That's a tight ends job. And it's just it's it's interesting how they have not utilized, uh, you know, the personnel in the right spots. Uh, why not give Rojo in that two down situation? You know, we couldn't punch it Mm. in one yard away. What was that three weeks ago against the Rams? I think it was the one yard to go and we couldn't get it in. And regardless of who was flying out or who was coming up the middle, I mean, it was just, it was so frustrating to see that, but what were they doing? They're passing it instead of running it, passing it instead of running it. So absolutely totally agree. They're going to continue flinging it down the field and they're going to try and look deep. Stay conservative. I mean, I love, I love the first down run. I love the first down run. Um, depending on where you're at down the field and what position you've got, why go deep? You know, go with the five and out. Go with the slant pass. I mean, I really do like the slot very much in a Brady offense than I do um, mm. either deep along the seam or along the sideline. Yeah, and a lot of it, I think, is you know what we've talked about here previously, but it's just setting up 
the deep ball. It's not taking these sporadic shots where they just don't need to be made because when you play like that, you're playing like that play just kind of didn't matter. You know, these low percentage looks on first and 10 or even third and short, like we had mentioned, they're just not doing this offense any favors and it's getting them off of the field faster than a lot of people, you know, can even imagine. Um, so with that being said, it's about setting that up and, and the run is definitely the first place to do that. But when it comes to yep. Brady and his ability to hit the deep ball, I, I still don't have any doubts in his deep ball. I think you just have to set it up when you have him out there on first and 10 and he's throwing 45 yards out of the shotgun. I don't think it works for him there. He likes his one on one matchups and that's what he's going to look for. But you got to set that stuff up and the Bucks offense has just not set it up. And that's why we've seen Brady in you know, this deep ball slump, it feels like for the past four or five games. Well, they've also taken out, you know, Scotty Miller, who, if, yeah. if you looked, was was the the best downfield threat, really. Um, I, I think, you know, you look at that Raiders game, they hit two deep shots with Scotty Miller. And then after that, really not much. Brady's deep ball really seemed to fall off, you know, in that week eight game versus New York. And, um, you know, I, I think some of it is that, you know, they, they, they took Miller off the field. Some of it is, like you said earlier, I mean, he's a Brady's. Mo, he can throw the deep ball, but like that's not what he's become so famous for. Just like don't that's not what he did. To do it, yeah, know? yeah, that, that's not how he won six Super Bowls. You know, he didn't didn't win six Super Bowls by <laughs> flinging it fifty yards down the field. Um, he won six Super Bowls by identifying defenses and doing what works, and he knows what works. And and right now they're trying to compromise, and they're just not there yet. That's it. That's it. That was it right there is that he was forced to. I have not felt like any deep ball that that Brady has thrown this year has felt natural. Mm. I don't think that I have seen him feel comfortable. And then especially with how many times he's been picked off with those types of passes, you would think he'd be more comfortable, you know, hitting him on. There were a couple of really good ones. There were yeah. a couple of very good ones, especially I that one in the end zone. I still look back at the, uh, the Scotty Miller <laughs> touchdown in the end zone that's against it. the Raiders. That's, that's yeah. throw of the year still to that's this day. That's it. But yes. that, that, that was the end of it, you know, like you said. And it's, um, you know, another thing is, is that offensive identity. I kind of wanted to lead this into our next question here. But we heard a lot about that tension that was mentioned. And then we heard Bruce come out and say, well, Tom's picking all the plays. We call what he picks. This bye week was an adjustment week, and I'm sure I have zero doubts that Brady, Arians, and uh, whoever else needed to be in there, Byron Leftwich, were in there kind of, you know, flexing that game plan a little bit and coming out with something that may be a little bit more effective and plays to the strengths of number 12. Past few weeks, especially during the Rams game, one of the best defenses in the league, they were moving the ball effectively with the short passing game. They lost that game when they got away from it. So, Evan, I wanted to ask you, with uh, with Arians coming out and saying Tom calls all the plays, the bye week to kind of sit here and mull things over and come up with a different game plan, what do you think this offense looks like on Sunday if they come out with a different game plan at all? Oh, I, I don't – I see – I think fans sometimes have different expectations. Uh, you can't expect a completely different offense. It's it's going to be the same offense, and yeah, Brady's calling the plays, but it still plays on Arians' play sheet. Um, so I wouldn't expect a different offense. The t- types of differences I would expect are maybe some more play action here and there, which they've been really good at. Maybe they do more of that. Maybe they do try to stick with the run a little bit more. But as far as like scheming goes and stuff, you're not going to see the, this, this stuff that you haven't seen all year. No, that's new. 
That's new. Right. There's four weeks left in the season. They're not installing anything new. This is the oh, no, offense. Definitely not. And, I just uh, meant kind of the adjustments, yeah. you know, the in-game adjustments, sticking to yeah, the quick I, game. Your scripted yeah. plays coming out of the gate are going to look a little bit different, I think. Well, they're scripted. Yeah, they're scripted plays coming out of the gate in the past, you know, three, four weeks. Have haven't worked been at all. They've been yeah, terrible. I, that's something that they really need to do better at. They were so good in the first quarter of the season and really maybe a little bit of the second quarter of the season of starting off fast on offense. And then ever since week eight or so, that's just really tailed off. You're running out of schemes too as well, right? I mean, last year you were able to incorporate the RPO with, with Jameis Winston. Yeah. And you've got the the pass, act, the, the play action has been key. We called that out at the beginning of the season. It was very a significant drop in play action uh, plays. And actually, Leftwich was called out on it. Like, what's going on? Are you not calling this? Are you going to allow Brady? And actually, I have to kind of challenge the the Bruce Arians, well, Brady calls the plays. Actually, that was challenged to Leftwich a, a while ago. And, and Leftwich is calling the game, yeah. not Brady. Mm-hmm. Leftwich is calling the game not Brady. And Brady is, I don't think he is being given all the audibles that he is probably used to. You know, I mean, he's used to being given a number and then that number, it's a scheme and he can look on his wristband as far as which scheme he can actually adjust to depending on what the coverage he sees. He's not being, I don't think he's giving that type of empowerment quite yet. I think the the, the fact is that the play action has been effective. When it is effective, they've got more chance. But again, you got to get the running game going first. You got to set yourself up for that play action. Otherwise, it's just the deep ball, deep ball down and pick six the other way. Yeah. And on top of all of this process that we had talked about is just, you know, the chemistry that this team has been building since week one. Everybody talked about it at the beginning of the year. Offensively, it's going to be an uphill battle, new chemistry, new teammates for Brady. It's, it's you know, same old song and dance that everybody knows, but this is what we're seeing. And uh, hopefully these bi-week adjustments give us a little bit bigger of a step towards that ultimate goal. But as we wrap things up, ladies and gentlemen, something we do here every single week on the show is the weekly checklist. And basically what it is, is it's three things the Bucks are going to need to do to win this game. So I'm going to go through my three. And then if either of you fellas feel like you have anything else you want to add onto the checklist, you are more than welcome. Some of these we've already covered, so you might be hearing them again. But here we go. First thing on the checklist, feed Ronald Jones. We topped it off when you talked about the offense. Um, feeding Rojo is going to be key to really getting the ball rolling again. I think it is going to be in, uh, incremental. Yeah. A a big word. I I think it's going to be very important for this offense to get Ronald Jones. If they hope to find any sort of rhythm early, because coming off of the bye week it's been two weeks since you played together and things are going to be a little bit different. So Ronald Jones can be a nice middle ground until they can kind of, you know, set up the shots that they like. And then this offense can really get rolling against a depleted Minnesota defense. Number two on the weekly checklist contained Dalvin cook. It's it's common sense. Um, but Dalvin Cook and his production is going to be key to the performance that we see from that Vikings offense. If you can contain Dalvin Cook as you know the top-run defense in the NFL, live up to your name and make them one-dimensional. Minnesota does not shy away from their big shots, so it, they're really not going to have any choice if they're playing from behind and Dalvin Cook is not playing up to expectations. So containing him has got to be priority number one for the defense, of course. And number three capitalize on mistakes. Listen, if you contain Dalvin Cook and you force Kirk Cousins to sling it 35, 40, more than that, he's probably going to throw a pick. Or 
you give pressure enough time to get there and force a mistake to happen. That's where you can mm-hmm. capitalize. And that's where you can potentially win the game. I'm not saying that either of these teams are going to run it up, but we're at the point in the season where games are getting a little bit more competitive down the stretch. So this one has the makings of being competitive. And I think the first team to capitalize on a mistake will be your winner. So take a look for that. If the Bucks do a good job at stopping Dalvin Cook. Evan, do you have anything you want to add to the checklist this week? Uh, yeah, I, I think the the biggest thing is just uh, get the Cousins with four. Um, yeah. Try not to really uh, blitz too much. I think you know, the Vikings receivers are talented enough, and even Dalvin Cook can catch out of the backfield a little bit. So uh, if you're able to, to get the Cousins with a four-man pass rush, the Vikings offensive line has long been a question for them for many years, um, and they have some decent players on it, but they're far from perfect. And I, I think there's some opportunities there to where the Bucks, you know, JPP and Shaq Barrett are going to be able to, to, to maybe exploit those tackles a little bit. So I think getting the Cousins with four is a pretty important key. Uh, I did want to point out there's a tweet from Greg Allman. Uh, it's some bad news here. Mm. Uh, could, could could just be precautionary, but Mike Evans didn't practice at all today after being limited in Wednesday. His hamstring becomes a key question for Sunday. So I think still think it's a little bit too early. We'll see if he practices tomorrow. Um, it, it may be like a precaution, but we'll see. Uh, but I just want to throw that out there. But, yeah, for on the defensive side of the ball, like I said, I think uh, rushing with four and getting there with four is a, is a, is a big key because the Vikings have, have those weapons. Absolutely. Jason, do you have anything else you want to add to this week's keys to victory? No. I Well, yes, I do have one thing. I do have to agree, and especially with closing out those wide receivers. You know, again, I'll reiterate it like I did against the Rams. Stop the wide receiver. Stop Thielen. Stop Jefferson. You've got you set yourselves up much more for success. You got to close the gap behind the linebackers between the safeties. You got to make sure you close that up. Keep that solid. You know, block out those guys. I love to see them in man-to-man coverage a little bit uh, more. The zone obviously has not been working because of the soft cushion that they've been giving um, receivers. Uh, but my addition to that is you got to protect Tom Brady. You got to continue to contain that rush, that pass rush, and um, give Tom the time to make his progressions. Right? Obviously, mm-hmm. it's it, I don't know if it's age or what, but it's taken him a little bit extra time. <laughs> but Protect Tom Brady. It's nice to see Marpet healthy again. It really hurts that Chipley's gone for the career, which is astounding. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Marpet healthy. Donovan, yeah, he's injured. I've, I'm not a Donovan Smith fan, just flat out. Uh, I've been pretty critical about his play this year. He's extra slow. Uh, my biggest concern is we talked about the young defense, the young Vikings defense. Younger means healthier means faster. So mm-hmm. could they beat Donovan on the outside? That really is a big concern. But hopefully they they shift the coverage, the pass uh, protection over, and uh, they give him some help on that left side. There we go. Before we break things down, let's get some score predictions. I'll go ahead and get mine out there. I don't think either of these teams are going to run it up, but I do think you see a little bit of a closer game. I think the Buccaneers ultimately come out on top. And my final score in this one, 28 28- to 20 give me two ronald jones touchdowns and two touchdowns over the air for big number 12 evan what is your score prediction so i think this game is going to be close because both teams know how big this game is uh the vikings realize that right now yes they're in a playoff spot but man they could be looking at maybe getting the sixth seed and then you know just keep rolling from there 
Uh, and then they want to keep the Cardinals out. The Vikings know that they basically have to either win out or only be able to lose one game in these next four. Uh, obviously, so the the pressure's on the Vikings right now. But the Bucks also realize that if they drop this game, they're maybe moving to the seventh seed, which would still be all right playoffs. But maybe depending on what Arizona does, you're moving to the eighth seed. So uh, if if you lose this game, you could really see yourself out of the playoffs at, altogether. So and then that makes it just you have to win the next three, and then you have to start relying on other teams to beat teams, and that's just not you want to control your own destiny. And right now they do. Right now the Bucks currently do control their own destiny, but it could get out of hand from them uh, if they drop this game. But uh, I, I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, I have. 31 27 bucks uh, i think that the bucks are gonna gonna be able to squeak one out and I, I think it'll it'll be close pretty much the entire time i think the the bucks offense really uh comes alive in the second half i like it jason what you got so the uh the bucks are allowing 23 points uh on average uh against opposing offenses i'm gonna give them just under i'm gonna say 21 for the to the vikings and we're going to squeak it out. We're going to do whatever we can on the offense to make sure that we do. Hopefully, we do get that running game effective. 27, 21 bucks. I, I do give I, I give Ronald Jones one touchdown. Uh, and then we're going to spread the wealth to Gronk, Evans. Uh, who knows? We could even see an Antonio Brown touchdown as that, well. That, so. that, that is my prediction. You will see Antonio Brown's first <laughs> touchdown in a Bucks uniform. That especially that will if, be if, interesting. If, if Mike Evans is limited or doesn't play, I think you will definitely see Antonio Brown's first touchdown. There Here's another key that I don't know if you actually consider consider Ryan Suckup to hit that to hit the field a little bit more. They have to find a way. Evan, you said it earlier. They have to find a way to win this game, even if it's going to be on Ryan Suckup's leg. Yep. Yeah, you just got, got to win. Yeah, I mean, it's yep. just any. Yeah, even if it's like the the Giants game where it's a two point conversion, you didn't really play well. It's still a win. You you gotta you gotta find a way to win this one, and and the good teams do. So we'll see. Now yep. we started the show with the injury report, and while we recorded Thursday's edition of the injury report dropped, so we're gonna give you an update on that before we officially get out of here. But let's go ahead and read it off really quick. Inside linebacker Levante David, full participation today. Cornerback Jamel Dean with that groin injury did not practice today. So as we had talked about a little earlier, the scenarios that arise, the question marks there, well, they multiply. So we'll see what tomorrow holds, but definitely not an encouraging sign for Jamel not practicing on Thursday. Mike Evans as well. He was downgraded, as Evan had mentioned a little bit earlier, that hamstring injury. He didn't practice, so we'll see what happens. Tight end Rob Gronkowski, not injury related, did not practice. He'll be fine and ready to go. Wide receiver Chris Godwin was upgraded with that finger injury, limited participation. Outside linebacker JPP with the knee injury did not participate. It's his vet day. Every single week he's on the injury report, and every single week he has one day where he doesn't practice. That's just what he does. And then finally, left tackle Donovan Smith with that ankle injury, limited participation. So take that information and do with it what you will. But can't say we did not update you like we said we would because that's what we do around here. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you to our good buddy Jason Curtis of Bucks Nation for jumping on the show with us. Jason, where can the people find you and your content? Man, really excited to be on uh, the Cade of Fire with you guys. Really appreciate you having me on. You can find me on Twitter at JCBucksNation. You can also check out my written works at BucksNation.com. Uh, Evan and I uh, host the 
uh, North and South Evan, podcast. Evan Winter, now. not Evan Wanish, by the way. Just <laughs> Evan for Winter, confused. Evan Winter. Yeah, thank you very much. Yes, yeah, sorry about that. So Evan Winter <laughs> and myself host the North and South podcast available now on Bucks Nation podcast. I also host the Commissioner's Corner Fantasy Football Show available every week for your ear holes up on Box Nation. There you go. Look at that. Evan pulling double duty, man. You never told me about that. Two podcasts. Yeah, I know. It's... Too many damn Evans. <laughs> <laughs> Find the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Canon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. Speaking of Buccaneer News as it happens, make sure you follow my co-host on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily the number one Buccaneer fan page on Instagram with 25,000 followers and climbing. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. And last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter. Both of those are Redicus, R-A-G-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. I am your host, Rhett, signing off from my co-host, Evan, and our special guest, Jason from Bucks Nation. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you Monday after the game. Until then... Go box. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.